Let's say our memory verse for this coming week. And I grabbed the wrong one. I got this last week's. Let me grab, that is John 3.18. Here we go. Now we're ready. John 3.18, let's say it together. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. John 3.18, a great verse to memorize, will help people to understand that when we believe, we, there is therefore now no condemnation anymore, but uh, if we have not believed, we are already under condemnation. That's not something that we acquire uh, somewhere along the way. A great verse to memorize for sharing the gospel with others. All right, if our ushers will come at this time, we will receive our tithes and offering. While we are receiving the offering here in our service, let me share a great need, your prayers. Please pray with us that God would use and bless the Foothills Baptist Gospel Hour. This program is a ministry of Foothills Baptist Church of Loveland. If the Lord would lay on your heart to donate to the Foothills Baptist Gospel Hour, we will provide our contact information at the end of this program. We will now return to the service. Open your Bibles to the Gospel of John in chapter 11. John chapter 11. And I will read from verse 1 down through verse 21 in just a moment. But John 11 is the great chapter wherein Christ declares Himself to be the resurrection and the life. One of the great I am's. I am the resurrection and the life. Uh, this is truly one of the great and significant truths about Jesus Christ. Without it, His greatness would be gone. There are several things about Jesus Christ. If you would eliminate any one of them, His greatness would completely evaporate. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. You are yet in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. And then he goes, The Christ is risen indeed. And here we preach and we, we have a great chapter on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now with this, from within every great truth about Jesus Christ and about our God flows a fountain of hope, strength, and encouragement that touches our everyday life and needs. And so this morning, I'm not preaching so much about the resurrection I'll come back to this chapter in a couple of weeks when I'm able to preach from the pulpit again, and I'm going to preach on Jesus Christ, the resurrection, and the life. But I want to draw a cup from this 
great fountain and offer it to every believer in Christ for a much needed spiritual refreshment. And the theme of this message is when God's plans don't meet your expectations. You see, in many ways, that's the heart of this text as well. The theme is the resurrection, that Jesus Christ is the resurrection, but it touches a real life, and it hits one of those issues of our life that is real. You see, we have expectations of God, but God doesn't always do it our way. And we're going to look at that this morning. If you're able to stand for the reading of God's Word, I invite you to do that. John chapter 11, I'll begin with verse 1. Now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sisters sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Then after that saith he to his disciples, Let us go into Judea again. His disciples say unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and goest thou thither again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in a day? And if any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth, because there is no light in him. These things said he, and after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of the sleep. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. Howbeit Jesus spake of his death, but they thought that he had spoken of taking a rest in sleep. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent ye may believe. Nevertheless, let us go with him unto him. Then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, unto his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Then when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave four days already. Now Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, about 15 furlongs off. And many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. Father, we come to you this morning. Here we have a great example of someone that had great expectations that were not met. And they had to learn a great lesson in the Lord. Now, Father, as we consider this passage, no doubt there are many here that have felt the same way. Use this to teach us, to grow us, and, Father, that we could be for your glory. Now, Father, as, as I preach through this, 
There may be one or more here or listening on the radio, the TV, the Internet that are not saved. The things that I'm going to be teaching is for the believers and not so much for them. But Father, let this message reach their hearts in a way that would draw them to repentance and faith to receive Jesus Christ as their Savior so they could enjoy the blessings of what God has for them like you have for us. In Jesus' precious name, amen. You may be seated. I've often said that the Bible touches every aspect of our life. It has the answer, every answer, for every issue of life that you and I are going to face. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3, the Word of God even says that God has given us everything, not most, not much, not many things, but everything that you and I need for our life and to live a godly life. And so he he has promised, he has told us that he has everything. It is in this passage we have a great lesson about those times in our lives when God's plans don't meet our expectation. Verse 21, Martha said, If you'd have been here, he'd have not died. And it reveals that they had an expectation that if Jesus had come, if he would have come... uh, when, when they called for him or let him know or in his omniscience know that Lazarus was sick, if he'd have been here, he could have touched him and healed him and he'd not die. Or he could have first heard the message for wherever he was and like he had done on other occasions, simply commanded for Lazarus to be healed of his sickness and he would have been healed. They understood that. But you see, God didn't work the way they planned for God to work. Or they wanted him to work. And you see, I think that fits each of us here today. We have faced or are currently facing a very serious issue in life. Now, others may not see it as serious as you see it. But for you, it's really serious. It's very crucial in life. And God's not dealing with it in the way you thought he would deal with it. It could be an economic thing where you have expenses that are coming up that are, that are beyond your income and, and you're trying to figure out and, and you have all of these ways as to how God ought to fix this and could fix this. I know I've been there. I, I face these issues and, and I go and I ask God, God, would you fix this? Would you take care of this? And I've got the plan. I know how to do it. Yeah, I see I'm not alone on that. But he doesn't deal with it that way. It it could be um, a relationship issue. Either a relationship that you have that you wish God would fix the other person. And you've got all of the plans as to how God could fix that other person. Or it may be in a relationship that you wish you had. And you have a plan as to how God could solve that problem. Or it could be a matter of health. Where it's a serious health issue, or it may be that someone has died, but you didn't expect them to die. God didn't solve it the way you wanted God to solve it. You see, here is a real life issue that Mary and Martha faced, that God did not meet their expectations, His plans, 
But God had better ways. And do you know what? I want us to come to this passage and understand that God can always have a greater plan to meet the need that we are facing at this time. And so uh, whatever you have experienced or whatever you are experiencing, it may seem like a great crisis. But through this message, I want you to know that you can trust God's greater plan. As we drink from this great fountain of help in time of need, the first thing we need to learn is that in the crisis at hand, it does not diminish God's love for you, but will reveal his love for you even in a greater way. So many times when, when we are going through a crisis, whatever it is in life that is very distressing to us, and we're taking a journey through that, and things aren't happening the way we want them to happen, sometimes we begin to wonder, does God really love me as much as he says? Three passages in this particular chapter reinforce that God's love does not, does not diminish when you face a crisis in life. You see in verse 3, Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. Even when he was sick, the two sisters and brother, they knew that Jesus loved them. We sing the song, Jesus loves me, this I know. It's easy to sing until we hit a series of crises like something like this. We know he loves us, but does he love us as much as he says? In verse 5, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. This is divinely inspired, put in there. It is an assessment by John who wrote this. He was with him and he knew that Jesus Christ loved these two sisters and their brother. It was known and it was the testimony. Then, if, if you will drop over to verse 35, we did not read these, but in verse 35 and 36, when Jesus stood at the grave and he wept, Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, behold how he loved him. Not only did Mary, Martha, and Lazarus know that Jesus loved them, but the disciples understood it. And the Jews and the crowd that had gathered around the tomb, they knew Jesus loved them. And so I want to assure you that God so loved us enough. Romans 5 eight. but God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. As a child of God, never forget that God loved you so much that He gave His only begotten Son to lay His life down to pay your sin penalty and my sin penalty was buried and rose again for our justification. And we know that He loved us enough. Then if you go on into the book of Romans to Romans 8, 32, and it talks about how in that verse, how he, he tasted death and He laid His life down to pay our sin penalty. And then it says, Will God not all the more give good things to them that He love? We are reassured with that. 
And then we have this solid verse from Romans 8, 38. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And that includes whatever crises you face in life, It will never separate. It will never diminish the love of God towards you. He loves you with an everlasting love. We also learn from this passage that the closest to the Lord are not exempt from occasionally feeling like the Lord has not met their expectations. You know, sometimes when we begin having these feelings and these thoughts, we feel like we're a horrible Christian. We, we feel like we just don't measure up. Well, we don't entirely measure up. But do you know what? Even those who are the closest to the Lord can feel that way occasionally. And we see that right here, that those that are closest to the Lord are not exempt from some feelings that they struggle with about how the Lord is working and how the Lord is going to work in their life. We see here that Mary and Martha and probably Lazarus before he died or become unconscious, uh, that, hey, the Lord, he's healed others. He ought to heal Lazarus. If he's healed those that didn't have faith in him, how about those of us that love him and and believe in him? You see, they were very close because it is understood that it was the home of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus was kind of a home on the road that when he was in this area, he would come and stay often. And there was a very close relationship. And so what I, I learn and I draw from this is sometimes for you and I, Even in our close relationship with the Lord, we can have feelings that, hey, why, why me, Lord? We can struggle in that relationship. I don't say this so that we stay in a pity party for ourselves, but that we understand that even when we are close to God, Our flesh reveals itself, and even the closest to God can have some struggles. Then beware, the Lord's greater plan can be a bewilderment and a misunderstanding to others who are very close to the Lord. As I read verses 11 through 16, here's the disciples. They traveled with him. They probably knew him as well as anybody. And they had a lot of learning and they had a lot of growing to do. But they were probably some of the cream of the crop, spiritually speaking, that were brought around him who were going to be not only the 12 disciples or are the 12 disciples, but would become the apostles and, and, and the, the uh, ones that would go out in, in, in church planting and working and in that way. And even they didn't fully understand how God was working or what he was saying. Uh, he, he talked about uh, Lazarus. He said, Lazarus is sick. Oh, my. 
And then they're thinking, well, we probably ought not to go over there because they want to kill you there. And then he said, well, this is not to death. He sleeps. Well, if he's sleeping, he's all right. He'll wake up. He'll feel better. Maybe the fever or whatever is just, he's able to sleep and rest from whatever sickness, and he's going to be okay. And then he finally has to bluntly say, boys, Lazarus is dead. You see, whatever struggle you're facing, and we like to be Christians where iron sharpeneth iron, But even in the best of our Christian relationships, and for those that are even the closest to the Lord, we don't always understand how God's going to work. There have been so many issues over the years of my ministry when individuals are facing certain challenges in life, and and they're wondering why God doesn't do this, or when God will do this. And I wish I could simply say, oh, I understand. Here's God's greater plan. Here's where this is going to happen. Here's how this will happen and when it's going to happen. But do you know, sometimes in our lives... We can be encouraged by our friends, but there may not be anybody else that really understands how God's going to work either. And we're challenged simply to move forward by faith and obedience and just believing the Lord and understanding that His way will be good and you can trust it. Being a part of the Lord's greater plans may also pose risk for some while meeting that need when it comes to pass. The disciples said in verse 8 and verse 16, they said, well, you can't go there. Last time you were there, they tried to stone you. And then in verse 16, they they just kind of resolved, I guess if we're good, let's go with the Lord. If he dies, let's die with him. Let's just go and die. (laughs) Wow. You know what? Sometimes we don't realize the risk that others will be involved in to come and meet the need that's in our life. And so there's so much that God has and God works. In this particular case, the risk was just in their own imagination. They came, they ministered, and went on. That was not the issue with that. You may experience some very deep grief, sorrows, and tears through this journey. I think you and I can only imagine how close these siblings were. They, they, they remained together, living together. I don't know whatever happened to husbands or wife or, or how all of that transpired. It really doesn't give us any indication here. But they were close enough. I've seen siblings that, that you know, as soon as they get to be about 17, 18, somebody needs to leave the house or somebody's going to die. They just don't get along at all. But obviously there was a close enough fellowship here to where they stayed together and a close enough love for each other, and understanding that, there was great apprehension as as he became gravely ill, and as death became began to lurk at the door, and then he dies. There was great grief. They lost somebody they loved. 
They lost somebody that they cared for. And they had buried him. And so there was a certain amount of time that that, uh, transpired from when the message left the household to go to Jesus that he's very ill until the Lord arrived because now he has died. He's been in the grave four days. And folks, there, here is a season of, of grief and sorrow and tears that have transpired through all of this to where they knew for a fact four days in the grave, absolutely Lazarus had died and was dead. Sometimes you and I may shed some tears through our journey of a crisis or whatever it is we may have a certain amount of sorrow and grief that we will experience. But 1 Thessalonians 4.13 says that we do not sorrow as the world without hope. Even in the sorrow and the grief, the tears, whatever is associated with that, God is a God of hope. Now, I'm sure that their hope was not that he would be raised from the dead at this point like this. But there is that hope that God has a good plan in store and God still has something good that can happen. And so again, as a believer in Christ, we may face an issue in life to where God's plans don't meet our expectations. It may pose risk for somebody It may be that no other believer really understands how God's going to work and can give you a plan of action. And it may be so so heavy that you sorrow and shed tears over it. But once again, let me encourage you, you can trust God's greater plan with what He's going to do. On some level, death will come. Here with Lazarus, it was a physical death. He physically died. He was physically put into the grave. And his body had begun to decompose. It was four days. And they said, it's going to stink. For you and me, it may not be a physical death, but maybe a death of our expectation. So that God's will can truly come alive. And all of our plans and all of how we look at it and how we think God ought to fix it and, and what our expectations have been, that may have to die. Paul said in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, I am crucified with Christ. That can be our expectations, our goals, our plans. And how we want our goals, how we want our plans to happen. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. This is not a physical death. It is a spiritual death. It is emotional and mentally dying to the things of Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The next verse goes on to say, I do not frustrate the grace of God. You see, when we're not willing to give up how we want God to deal with it, we can begin to frustrate the grace of God through the process. And so, yes, on some level, death may come or need to come. 
before we're able to realize and experience God's greater plan. At this point, I want to rehearse three very familiar verses. All of these things that I have addressed and pointed out and highlighted that, that are a part of, of understanding and, and growing through, through those issues where God does not work the way we want Him to work. Every one of us know this as believers. You have learned this. And, and, and on some level, it, it's probably back there. And now I'm going to give you three verses upon which must be fundamentally true and alive in your life to be able to live and accept and thrive in the Lord with these things that I've already spoken of. The first verse I want you to look at is Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. When God's plans do not meet our expectations... For us to thrive in the Lord and move forward, there are certain things that must be foundational in our heart and in our life. And these, again, are verses that you know. These are truths that you know. And we must make them a living reality in our life. In Colossians 1, verse 16, Paul says, For by Him, Jesus Christ, were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth. Do you know what that includes? You and me. He's created all of this. Visible and invisible, whether there be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by Him. And we get it, we know it, we believe in a six twenty-four hour creation as a direct act of God, and, and all of this is the direct act of creation by God. And then there's two more words, and for Him. For Him. All of creation was created for him. That includes you and me. You you go back to, I believe it is uh, Isaiah 43. I don't have time to go to each of these verses, but in Isaiah 43, verse 7, it talks about this. And then it says, for his glory. It talks about how God has made us for his glory. In Revelation chapter 4 and verse 11, it says that he is worthy that we have been created by Him and for Him. It's easy to affirm that first half, that all was created by Him, but then the challenge comes when we have to make a living reality that we were created for Him. He is the potter, we are the clay. The illustration in, in that statement of the Bible is he's molding our lives and, and we need to be that soft, malleable clay that he can mold our lives. And if in the molding process something doesn't, isn't coming out right because, well, there is a, 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 a resistance on our part and then he has to start all over and start molding again. Do you know what? This has to become a living reality. Whatever challenge you're facing, God has created us for Him. Which then brings us to that next point, one of the next points, 
that we may glorify him. In 1 Corinthians 10.31, whether you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. And you will find this theme over and over in the New Testament stated that, that we are here living for the glory of God. He has saved us for his glory. And that means every issue of our life. The things that we find delightful and the things that we find challenging and difficult. In every one of these issues, God has has created us. He has saved us for His glory. In this particular incident, in John chapter 11, when Jesus said in verse 4, Jesus heard that, that this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. In John chapter 9, here was a man that was born blind. The great question even of of those close to the Lord, did this man sin or did his parents sin that he was born blind? To us, it's a dumb question. How do you practice sin before you're born so that you're born blind? Uh, I can see how parents can live some sinful life through alcohol or drugs and cause a child to be born blind. But the Lord said in that particular case, neither he was born blind that the Son of God might be glorified. Folks, whatever issue in life you are struggling through, or maybe you're struggling with bitterness out of the past because God did not meet your expectations. Maybe you're going to struggle with something. Whatever it is, understand that whatever happened, God brought that through your life, that through that, God the Son and God the Father can be glorified by that. And this has to be a living reality to be able to accept and be able to thrive in the Lord when you go through a crisis like this. You have to understand, and it must be a living reality, I was created by God and for God, and if God can be glorified through this, help me, O God, to be willing with a heart of joy to take this journey. One more that is a very familiar passage. It's First Corinthians six nineteen through 20, where it says, No, you're not. You're bought with a price. You're not your own. We could probably compare this to slavery, whether it be the early American slavery, whether it be slavery that that happens in Africa even yet today, whether it was slavery that took place in the Middle East or in Europe, uh, regardless of skin color, there have been those that have held slaves and those that have been slaves. But whatever it is, when somebody buys somebody and they become a slave, or they capture somebody and become a slave, all of a sudden their life is no longer their own. They can be sold, they can be moved, they can be worked however. But do you know what? Paul talks about being a bondservant of Jesus Christ. He has purchased us. Our master is a good master. He will never do anything that is not good or good for us. 
And he will give us the opportunity through the life that we may glorify him. So for us to really grow when we face a crisis and think God is not meeting our expectations, this must be foundational. Understanding and appreciating that we were created by him and for him. That we were purchased by his blood. And he will not do anything to destroy his possessions. And not only that, but everything that God brings to our life, he will use, if we will let him, to glorify him. These three verses and three truths must become a living reality in your heart, your emotions, and your thinking. To be able to thrive spiritually when God's plans do not meet your expectations. As you experience this journey in life, you will discover that you will be drawn closer to the Lord. James 4, 8 says, Draw nigh unto the Lord, and he will draw nigh unto thee. Undoubtedly, when the Lord's greater plan was accomplished, these three no doubt had a greater closeness to the Lord than ever before. At, at the very moment that the Christ said, Lazarus, come forth, and he comes walking out, and, and the grave clothes are taken off, Certainly there was great rejoicing in, in the reunion of the family. But folks, I'll bet moving forward they had a far closer relationship. They, they were close. They probably had no idea how close they could really be with the Lord. But undoubtedly they had a closer relationship because of that. I believe you will also discover that when... When you thrive in God's greater plan, it opens the door for others to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, in John chapter 12 and verse 11, because that by reason of him, this is talking about Lazarus who was raised from the dead, because that by reason of him, many of the Jews went away and believed on Jesus. You know, one of our great works is to evangelize the lost. And we see here that in God's greater plan, there were others that came and believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. He opens up a unique door, a unique window for that to happen. But here is one of the things that you must be prepared for. The closer you are drawn to Christ, the more you'll be drawn away from the world and even hated. In that same passage of John 12, verse 10 and 11, But the chief priests consulted that they might put Lazarus also to death. (coughs) Because that by reason of him, many of the Jews went away and believed on Jesus. The Lord Jesus Christ said in John chapter 15 uh, that the world hates you because it hates me. 1 John 3, I think it's verse 13, marvel not that the world hates you. And one of the things that, that will be a side effect many times is the closer that you draw to the Lord Jesus Christ, 
the further you will be drawn away from the world. And in the world at large, the less you'll be appreciated. But I tell you what, I won't trade it. I came away this past week enjoying being able to renew some acquaintances. But I discovered spiritually there was little commonality. If I had spoke out for biblical truth in a greater way or made that the issue of the, of that, I probably would have went away the most despised person that was there. Not that I despise them, but dealing with biblical truth. And so folks, there's three great things that do happen. One, you'll draw closer to the Lord. And along with that, others will have a greater opportunity of belief. But the world may despise you. Now let me bring this cup from that great fountain of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and try to place it into your hands without spilling a drop in this matter of when God's plans do not meet your expectations. Again, this is for believers. If you are without Christ, we invite you to put your faith in Jesus Christ. But for believers in Christ, our struggle is not what that we do not believe these great truths. Most every one of you that have faced this struggle, you do believe. Back here in John chapter 11, when, when uh, the Lord made the statement in verse 26 and 27, And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? She saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe. And it goes on from there. She believed in the resurrection. For you and I, when we face these challenges, when we face these crises, when we face this struggle, typically it's not a matter that we don't believe the truths. It's that we do not sufficiently personalize them into our lives. And then we become sorrowful, downhearted, and some people go on to be bitter at God. And so we need to sufficiently personalize those truths. Or we believe it in general and we believe, well, God has done this for others. But believe that God loves you, He cares for you, has a greater plan for you. Make it very personal. This chapter reassures us that the Good Shepherd truly does love us on an individual basis, cares for us, and has a greater plan through our lives. So for every believer this morning, if you leave here remembering just one thing, I want you to remember this. When God's plan does not meet your expectations, know for a fact that God still loves you and that you can trust God for His greater plan. Please go away with that. His plan is even greater than ours. Father, we come to you this morning, and I pray that you would use this passage and this message to strengthen every believer.
Father, with, within a gathering like this, there are those that have suffered and experienced the same issue of life where God didn't meet their expectations. They may still struggle with it out of the past, and for some they may be becoming bitter against God. For others, there may be some that are going through a journey right now that need this today. Use this today to strengthen them and reassure them of your great love and that you've got a greater plan. And then, Father, there are believers here that may have an issue on the horizon. Use this to prepare them for that journey that may be on the road of life ahead of them. We just want to love you, Lord. We want to glorify you. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Foothills Baptist Gospel Hour. For more information about Foothills Baptist Church of Loveland, Colorado, you may visit our website at foothillsbaptistchurch.com. If you wish to donate to this radio ministry, please make your check payable to Foothills Baptist Church and mail to P.O. Box 771, Loveland, Colorado, 80539. Once more, please make your check payable to Foothills Baptist Church and mail to P.O. Box 771, Loveland, Colorado, 80539. Or you may go to our website at foothillsbaptistchurch.com and click on the Give tab. We would love to have you visit our regular Sunday services with morning worship at 9.30, Sunday school at 10.50, and Sunday evening at 5 o'clock. And until we meet again, be sure you are... Living by faith, living by faith, in Jesus above, in Jesus above, trusting, confide, trusting, confiding in His great love, yes, in His great love. From all harm's safe, from all harm's safe, in His sheltering arm, His sheltering arm, I'm living by faith.
was blind, but now I see. Was grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear? The Hi folks, I'm James Morgan, a realtor with Grisham & Associates, LLC. I know it must seem like there's a million realtors out there making all kinds of promises. Want to hear my big marketing promise? I promise honest and fair dealings with all those I do business with. That may sound old-fashioned, and it is not very catchy, but it is true. I am your Colorado real estate specialist. Farmland, mountain cabins, or urban dwellings. When you work with my team, we'll get the right property for you and be upfront and honest with you every step of the way. Over the years, my clients have told me just that fact alone separates us from others in the industry. If you are considering buying or selling real estate, call me, James Morgan, at 720-203-0731 or visit my website at coloradoproperties.online. No catchy slogan, just a client-first, honest real estate experience. Hit it, girls. Keep listening to the American Freedom Network. 
1360 continues to grow, we want to know what our listeners think. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't like. Give us your feedback. Go to 1360KHNC.com and hit the contact button and give us your thoughts. Hi, this is Mike Morris, owner of Warriors Revolution Tactical in Longmont. At Warriors Revolution, we have the largest selection of tactical gear and ammo in northern Colorado. But what many people may not know is that we now sell firearms. And even despite the recent run on firearms and ammunition, we have plenty of product in the store, including ARs, AKs, Glocks, SIGs, HK, and more. And don't forget all the bulk ammunition at the best prices in town. Need to do a private firearms transfer? We can do that, too. I am a veteran of the United States Marine Corps, and our team is made up of veterans and security experts, not a bunch of salesmen. Our team is trained and fought with much of the actual equipment we sell. And one thing you should know is that we support the foundations and principles this great country was founded upon. So if you need tactical gear, ammo, firearms, AR parts or upgrades, and even survival accessories, stop by and visit us on Ken Pratt Boulevard and Bowen Street in Longmont. Or visit warriorsrevolution.com. That's warriorsrevolution.com. Everybody needs to paint their house every five to seven years to keep your siding from deteriorating and falling apart. You need to protect your home from the effects of the weather. Hi, I'm Bucky with Colorado Masterworks, and I'd be happy to help you out. I do inspections on an annual basis for free to make sure that your house is watertight, and I'm happy to provide a free estimate if you need paint work done. I pride myself on doing work that is above the rest quality. I've been painting my entire life. I want to show off. I want to show you how good I am. Just give me a call, 970-825-9305. Bleed stop. Clinically proven and FDA cleared to stop even arterial bleeds. Pour it into the wound, apply direct pressure, and clotting occurs in seconds. No stinging or burning. Minor cuts or major wounds. Bleed stop is a must for first aid kits, backpacks, and trauma bags. Find bleed stop by clicking on the bleed stop button on the 1360KHNC webpage. Products and prices listed on the KHNC website are 20% off the regular bleed stop website prices. Get yours today. This is Mark Hall, host of the Come Out of Her My People show here on the Roar of the Rockies. Tune in to discover why, whether it's the law of the land or scripture, what you've probably heard it says is not what is written. It's time to come out of all of that. Hello, friends. This is Bradley Dean, show host for the Sons of Liberty. Join me on KHNC 1360 AM every weekday at 8 p.m., Saturdays at 5 to 7 p.m., and Sundays from 6 to 8 p.m. You're listening to the Roar of the Rockies, KHNC, 1360 AM, Johnstown, Greeley, Loveland, Fort Collins. The views and opinions expressed on 1360 KHNC are entirely those of